Welcome to episode 53 of Tim Talk, the podcast about the DC animated universe co-created by Bruce Tim. I'm Chris Lord. I'm Cameron Dexter. And uh, I feel like I, I feel like I misspoke last week. I thought I said you this is going to be... You steered me in such a wrong direction. I, I came in so excited for a Legion of Superhero episode. Uh, what did I get? Two Kryptonians we haven't seen since 1956. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, yeah, this is basically just half the plot of Superman 2 retold in animation. They're fine. Without Zod. They're fine. Well, it's fine. It's this, uh, this plot has been done a million different ways, just better. Well, and that's, I feel like, yeah, that's the problem, is that this is such a common thing. Like, I mean, Superman 2, I'm not saying it was the first one to do it, because obviously it had been done in the comics, but like, that was like the big one, is that, yeah, Zod and Ursa and Nan get broken out of the Phantom Zone and wreak havoc, and Superman has to put them back. And like, they were kind of the first ones that did it. And then... I think it's popped up in pretty much every other version. Like I, I don't remember enough of Lois and Clark to say if it happened there, but certainly it happens here. It happened in Smallville. It obviously happened almost beat for beat again in Man of Steel. So mm-hmm. at this point, like we're just kind of uh, used I to it. I feel like what is I, I want to say it's Justice League or Justice or JLU, where it's the two very Greek sounding names. They're aliens. They come to Earth and they fight for Lois's hand. For Lois's hand? Yes. That wouldn't be in Justice League or Justly Unlimited. She doesn't appear in either. Okay. I think until the final episode of JLU. What am I thinking of? Because it's it's not Brave and the Bold. Are you sure it's specifically Lois's hand? I'm like ninety. It's either Lois or Wonder Woman, but I don't think it's Wonder Woman. Might be Wonder Woman. I don't think so. I, I know it, it should be because they're very Greek sounding names. One has a white robe and one has like a, I don't remember. This is going to bother me the entire I mean, episode. Uh, like we might find out at some point. Sure. I mean, cause there, there have been no other Superman animated series. He popped up in the Batman, but it wouldn't be that. Yeah. Uh, there was briefly the like Superman and the Legion of Superheroes. Then it's gotta be brave and the bold. I think it has to be brave. Yeah. And the bold. Yeah. Cause, um, I, don't really recall that. I haven't watched Brave and the Bold. Uh, yeah. So I'll, I'll, I keep meaning to go back and rewatch all of it. Okay. Because I keep referencing I, it at this point. I have been too, actually. Mm-hmm. We'll have to do that. I also, I feel like we're going to, because we're going to be talking a lot about Richard Dawn at Superman specifically. Specifically. Superman 2. I feel like we need to sit down and watch those. Nah. Well, here's the reason <laughs> that there is probably no movie that's had a bigger impact on how superhero movies are made than Superman, the movie. Like it is, you've probably seen, um, there's a video of Kevin Feige and I think Jeff Johns, like, uh, giving some sort of award to Richard Donner. And they're both like, you were the like inspiration for how we made these movies. Like Richard Donner's whole approach, to the whole thing was all about verisimilitude, like to make it feel real and grounded. And you can see that influencing the way Sam Raimi did Spider-Man. I mean, Spider-Man two is basically just Superman two remade. Mm-hmm. Um, the way the X-Men movies were done, which Kevin Feige was a producer on the way he's made all the Marvel movies. Like, they are, if you go back and watch them, you'll be like, oh, that's where this comes from. Okay. And also, that movie not only had an impact on all superhero movies, but I think that movie had an impact on uh, basically Superman in pop culture more than any single Batman movie has, right? So it's like, for example, you don't see a lot of things that reference, like, Batman 89 in other forms. Obviously, it inspired the animated series, but you go off that, it changes a lot. But, I mean, all the way up to the Lego movie, it's the Crystal Fortress of Solitude. It's the John Williams score that plays there. Like, everything in Smallville was pulled from the Donner versions. Okay. So, I think it's worth watching at some point just to see where all this comes from. Yeah, I guess so. Uh, plus I'll, could, I'll, I'll, I'll submit to we'll, that. We'll do bonus episodes. <laughs> sure. What news do you have, Chris? <laughs> As I try and speak very loudly um, over this helicopter. I know every fucking Chris, time. Close your windows. It gets hot in here. I don't care. I'm also wearing a it's like towel. Sixty romper. degrees it's outside. <laughs> it is. I'm thinking for the viewer. It's for the viewers. The listeners. Yes, the viewers. How can they see? They can't see past <laughs> this helicopter that's passing through us. What news do you have, Chris? <laughs> okay. In terms of news, uh, should we start with? Should we start with happy news and then go into, like... Let's do a happy sandwich. Okay. Well, we, it's, I was thinking there's actually, like, good news, like, un, like, ambiguous news or ambivalent news, and then, like, bad news. Which should we start with? Uh, let's start with the, the middle one. 
the, okay, Dude. let's go out of order. Okay, so I guess the the middle news would be the change of director on Star Wars Episode Nine. Nothing to do with Superman. Oh, yeah. We got yeah. Uh, JJ's coming back. Yeah, Colin Trevorrow's out. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> JJ's in. How do you feel about that? What do you think? Indifferent. I think he did yeah. fine with Episode 7. I mean, with the major task that he had to try and uphold, like, I... I I think it was fine. I know there's yeah. a lot of people that don't like Seven, and they have their reasons, and I understand their reasons. I have my reasons for liking it, and yeah. I hope people understand the reasons for liking it. It was a tough situation, and he did a good job with it. Yeah. I, I always maintain I don't think there's a better version of that movie out there. Yeah. I think that is the movie it had to be, and he did a good job with it. I was excited to see a different director take on each movie a mm-hmm. little bit. I, I thought, like, Ryan Johnson is a great... If you If you look at, like, a... The new trilogy being similar to the original trilogy, maybe like the first one's an adventure, the second one's kind of darker, and the third one's kind of more of like a big, like bigger adventure. Mm-hmm. I feel like those directors fit. Certainly, look at Jurassic World, like it's kind of big and bright and fun, and energetic. So I was interested in what he had to do. Um, this seems like a safe choice, but it's not necessarily a bad choice. Yeah. So again, like I said, I'm indifferent. Yeah. It's Star Wars. I'll see it either way. That's true. And uh, yeah, at this point. I'll more than likely enjoy it, no matter what. Yeah, considering I'm not I'm not the person to ask for a controversial opinion on this, Chris. No, it's absolutely true. And you look at like there was obviously a whole bunch of shakeup in regards to the way Rogue One was done in the end. I know you didn't really care for Rogue One that much, but I'm also in the minority for that. Yeah, I think that that movie is good, and I think they'll work out in the end. So, um, and then I guess have your news. Wonder Woman. Patty Jenkins is back. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and maybe they'll even give her even more like leeway this time around to just make her own movie and mm-hmm. hopefully we won't have a shit third act. <laughs> Think it's going to take place in World War II? Uh, ooh. <laughs> when, oh, when will, there's been talk about maybe it being like the 70s or the 80s. Would it be another flashback episode? I I was be... I think what they were trying to to push with the photo is that she's been kind of dormant since those days. Yeah, I guess I guess she would have been. I don't know. It would be fun to see another period film. It'd be awesome. Yeah. But I mean, like it's like Captain America. You can't really do a second one. I mean, you can. With, you with can, her, yeah, she's, you, she's you not might, frozen. You might be able to, yeah. I don't know. Who knows? Either way, should be good stuff. I'd like to see the to, I'd like to see the mascara again. I don't think oh, we will. Oh, that's true. And I think up Ooh, to... Ooh, do you think they'll... Pre- I wish they would prelude to the Atlantean Themyscarian War. Well, that's definitely going to pop up in Flashpoint, I would think. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess they it can would, hint at something about that. I guess it would have if we're going to go back to Themyscira, which I'm sure they will, because that that part of the movie is generally considered pretty damn good. Mm-hmm. We would have to be set now, because I think the idea is that she hasn't been back to Themyscira since. Since oh, was that definitive, or were we just inferring that? I think we're inferring it. Yeah. Oh, hi, buddy. Um, but I mean, she was technically banished, so it makes sense for her to not have gone back she yeah. seems to be a person that holds up her word that's true yeah she's a lady of her word mm-hmm. so i don't know exciting though yeah again very cool we want these movies to be good yeah yeah it's not our fault they're not mm-hmm. um i have one more indifferent news oh good we, more indifferent news sad. yes uh we got our first picture of hellboy oh yeah new hellboy oh, movie extraordinarily indifferent uh <laughs> if you've seen the first two hellboy movies it's the exact same thing yeah uh, I think longer hair. That was the only thing I was able to notice. It was mostly shadow. Yeah, and I think there was another one that was so in there black might be, and white. Yeah, there too. might be things that we're not picking up on. They're trying to hide specifically until we get like yeah. real it news. It barely looks like David Harbour. Like, yeah. It looks identical to... Perlman. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, again... It's I like hope a little it's, slimmer. That's all. Maybe a little, like, yeah, a little bit slimmer, but hair. again, that's still like... I, I don't think David Harbour is in that quite a shape that's definitely like a body uh a body muscle suit yeah i don't know i mean again i want it to be good so yeah i mean did you did you like hellboy 2 i feel I like did. that's kind of a I, split I think i've only in seen world each of them once but i enjoyed them both mm-hmm. so i love the first one it used to be on tv all the time okay. i'd watch it a lot yeah i mean uh, go Toro, generally pretty solid yeah so. but also neil marshall like he did some of the best episodes of game of thrones that's true so and i imagine they'll probably try and give it a bit of that aesthetic and tone mm-hmm. i think that works I mean, that small show that only a couple people watch, they kind of probably want to kind of steal off that hype. I know, right? Oh, God, it's been so long before it comes back. <sighs> I know. Sad. It's fine. We can do this. We yeah. have Superman to watch. Yeah, Superman. Yeah. What's uh, our sad news? No sad news uh, is that uh, Len Wein died. Oh, no. Yeah. So, I mean, he's most famous for doing, creating Wolverine and Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Um, relevant to us, he also created Lucius Fox. I didn't know that. That's yeah. awesome. And Amanda Waller. 
Ooh. Yes, and Mongol, who's a Superman villain, who'll be seeing later. <gasps> oh, he's um, in my favorite, or one of my favorite Justice League episodes. Oh yes, uh, for the man who has everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then of course when he created Wolverine, he also created Nightcrawler, Storm, and Colossus. Like, oh wow. So I mean, we we kind of badmouth him a bit because he wrote both the comic and then the teleplay adaptation of Moon of the Wolf from the oh, animated series. Oh, that was series. him. Oh shit, that was him. But hang on, in his defense, he also did Off Balance, which is the Count Vertigo episode. Okay, which was silly but pretty solid. Fine. Yeah, um, Blind as a Bat. It's fine. Which is fine. And then uh, the second half of Demon's Quest, which is kind of like that okay. James Bondish sort of episode. Known primarily for Shirtless Batman. Shirtless Batman versus Shirtless Roz. Yeah. Uh, we're still going to have to do that one year at Comic-Con as cosplay. I need to get in better shape before then. I think it's more about the hair. I think the hair is what was going to define it. I mean, I'll have, I'll have the cowl on. Oh, yeah, or are you expecting to be Batman? Yeah, of course. But Roz is taller. But you can actually, like, grow a beard and you can actually get, like, your hair can do the Roz hair. <sighs> My, mine can't. <laughs> Well, we need a third friend, and I'll just be Robin. Okay. We'll find someone else to do I'll be on the side, just, like, bound up the entire time. Yeah, I'm determined. Even if it's just for one photo on the floor, we're going to do it. Um, But, yeah, so, I mean, we we gave him shit for Moon of the Wolf, but, I mean, he's made some incredible contributions to comics. He was relatively young. I think he was, like, in his late 60s or something like that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's kind of sad. So, um but that's it for news. Yeah. You ready to get into these mediocre episodes? Yeah, they are kind of mediocre. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's blast from the past. Today is a very indifferent um, day, everyone. Yeah. We have little to no opinions. Don't come here. Don't come here for opinions. <laughs> so, I mean, what, what we do get introduced to in this episode is the Phantom Zone, though. Yes. Phantom Zone is pretty damn cool. It's very important. Overall. Yeah. And it's in, again, it's in everything. Like a Batman. It's in Lego Batman, yeah. It's great in Lego Batman. Yeah, he was really well in Lego Batman, actually. Mm-hmm. used not quite in the same way. Actually, that's probably one of the most original uses of the Phantom Zone I've seen. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, because otherwise it's always just the same thing that they're doing in this episode. Mm-hmm. But yeah. So space vacuum. Space vacuum, yeah, exactly. Basically, we just figure out that uh, buried inside Superman's ship is the Phantom Zone projector. And we discover that uh, there is a prisoner in there named Mala. And when Superman looks him up on his little Brainiac Orby Bali thing, mm-hmm. she was sentenced because she was the second in command behind Jack Zur, who tried to overthrow Krypton. When that failed, off they went to the Phantom Zone. But she has served her sentence. Yes. She so, was only supposed to be in there for 20 years. Yeah. And that was before... I don't, I don't know how long... I mean, I, what? Probably about... Well, okay. Earth years. Superman's probably, what, 33? 32, 33, probably? Yeah, we'll say 30. Yeah. So, but... I'd, but you also oh, don't know he, how long before he was born that she was trapped that's in there. That's true. He, At least 20 years. I forget. In this version... Is, is there a hyperdrive? Did he like go through like a hyperdrive wormhole sort of thing to jump? I feel yes. like he did. So that varies. Like in some versions, he just drifts and drifts and drifts, and he's like in spin animation until he arrives on Earth. And so mm-hmm. Krypton blew up a long time ago. Other times, he like leaps across. Yeah, because that that's how the uh, uh, Supergirl story comes in sometimes. Or sometimes oh, she was in the portal. Yeah, he wasn't, or flipped, or he was in the. There's portal, all this weird wasn't. weird justification. Yeah. So whatever he was, she wasn't exactly. <laughs> That's how you explain Supergirl. Whenever Superman's a girl, Supergirl's a man. Yes. Um, Yeah, so Superman decides to let her out. Now, is this him being stupid, or is it him being in character, or is it both? It's both, and I have so many problems with how Mala was written. Yeah, I know. Um, She, at this point, I feel like they don't know how to write women anymore like they forgot everything they learned in batman well because with you, what they're doing lois? to lois i hate what they're doing to lois lois hasn't done anything in the past like five episodes but okay when she's on screen though how do you feel about her? this episode she did nothing she like did... she had a few quippy one-liners but she yeah. was um she was strangled the first time we see her she was caught under rubble the second time we see her. She was kidnapped the third time we see her. And the fourth time she shoots a gun, but, like... Okay, yeah, it's not looking great, is they, it? They haven't done anything with her in such a long time. Like, yeah. I, I brought this up last week or two weeks ago where it's, like, she had such potential to be an important character in this film and in this, in this series. But right now, all they're doing is, like, I feel like, they, I feel like they think they have to put her in somehow. So she'll just drive up on scene. That's and fair. That's like she and her and like obviously the reasoning is her reporting, but they never really go into like getting her sources or like the like the more entertaining side of reporting. Yeah, which is not very entertaining. Well, but she makes it entertaining. Yeah. So yeah, actually, that's actually a pretty good point. Yeah, because I mean, it's been a long since I've watched this. I obviously remember Justice League and JLU better. She's not in any of that. 
No, like, but we have we have other compelling women in those. We have Vixen, we have Wonder Woman, we have Hot Girl. Yeah, that's that's true. That's absolutely true. Like they understand it then, but yeah. like in um, Btos, we had Montoya in a couple episodes. Yeah, I mean, we had Catwoman, had Poison Ivy, great arcs for Harley. Yeah, and right now yeah. we just had nothing. No, that's Mala, true. like yes, Mala does bad things, but Superman. This is my biggest problem with this episode. Okay, Superman overreacts to an such an extreme level. She doesn't do like he does the same thing that she did. He, yeah, it's absolutely. She true. did nothing that he wouldn't do. Yeah, he's he's. Do you think he's just prejudiced because he's like he knows she? So like, it's weird because he knows she has a history of like serving with a wannabe dictator, mm-hmm. um, and she still he still lets her out anyways. But then he's like super skeptical for once he gets out. It's like why? Yeah, he trains he just, her. Yeah, like, he. Tra- they do a montage they do a fucking of montage. training her. I don't of her like. Warning to use her powers. Yeah. And then immediately on their first patrol, he's like, okay, you go stop those yeah, two. I'll you go stop. be unsupervised yeah. with your newly developed powers. And then he comes and he's like, is surprised when she, like, I was expecting her to just not know how to hold back. Yeah. And she is, like, she fully understands the capability of her powers. She doesn't, like, punch a car through a wall. She doesn't, like, nope. But like, put these people in mortal danger at all. No, she, like, throws one guy against a dumpster and then, like, I think just stands on top of a car and threatens the other one. Yeah, and even the cops are like, did Superman do this? Yeah. Yes, he's done this he does for this all, years. He does this all the time. Like, I love it. Uh, in the next episode, like, Bala steals the, uh, the, like, the post truck and the mailman falls out. Superman grabs him. He goes down. Instead of jumping him on the ground, he, like, leaves him on top of an awning. Like, Superman does dick stuff like this yeah. all the time. Yeah, nothing that she's done... I, Superman has done everything that she's done. Yeah. But he's reprimanding her for nothing. Yeah. Because then he, after she gets like a little bit aggressive, like barely, he's like, well, I don't know if I can trust her anymore. Maybe Might I have... should put her back into this prison. Yeah. I should throw her back in this horrible, endless prison. No wonder she's upset about that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I have to agree with you. It's not, it's not good. Yeah. They, I had, where are my notes? I have, <laughs> <laughs> I have other things to talk about, Chris. Um, so let's, let's jump back. Evil, a professor releases an evil worm monster. Superman stops it. Yeah. Um, Mala comes out. Night on the town. Oh, she's like, oh, oh. she's got the doomy eyes. That, that was my big thing. Oh yeah. Oh man. That like immediately, um, when she's released, Superman is like, oh, we're the last two Kryptonians. And just like, first thing. Oh, Oh, also she knows that he's the son of the guy that put her in prison. Yeah. It's so, like that doesn't she doesn't care about that at all. She's like, oh, last two. Guess we better repopulate this planet. Yeah, is now, but she knows that Jaxor is still alive inside the Phantom Zone. Yes. So, can we assume that the entire time, on some level, she's always playing? That's Superman? what I wanted. But I it's, wanted. It's not clear. It's not. Like, Chris, definitive. I want to. Chris, I want to start a segment right here. Right okay. Now. All right. Let's do it. I want to start. How do we make these better? <laughs> Okay, all right. You're you're a you're a, a, a film writer. Sometimes right. you read scripts a lot. You know what works and what doesn't I, I, work. Yeah, I do read a lot of. Scripts. How do we make this work? Okay, I I think okay. I'm willing to accept the fact that he decides to let her out because, like, I asked that question. I think it's still in character with him because Superman. The big thing about him, and this is what I think they didn't quite get with Man of Steel, is he always sees the good in people to the point of it being a fault. Yes. He's very similar to Captain America in that regard. like they did a great job in Marvel of like, that's the whole thing in Civil War is that Cap really believes in Bucky. He's right, but maybe he shouldn't. Right. Superman's the same way. So I'm willing to believe that he would let her out. I think maybe you need um, a moment in the beginning of the episode of him at the fortress. Because it, it kind of ties it back in the end. He's like, oh, like, I am alone. Maybe you need a moment up front for him to just like be a little bit of, like, aware of the fact that he's the only one of his kind. So he's extra inclined to want to meet someone new. He happens to meet her in the Phantom Zone. Happens to pull her out. Um, and then, yeah, I think you're right. I think she's got to be more aggressive right from the beginning. Yeah. I had my, my, my twist of the story is we, we get kind of that three or four minute backstory on her. Mm-hmm. Which I think is very important. We know it that is. she was second in command. And the planetary defense unit yeah. under Jaxor. I wanted, and then Jaxor is the one that starts this coup. Um, I wanted her to be the mastermind behind that. Like, oh. I wanted her to have a history of manipulating people. 
That would have been cool. And, that, yeah. and then that would have led to her convincing Superman to let Jaxor out. Yeah. And then she knew with the two of them they could overpower him. Because yeah. with one, they're pretty much on equal grounds. They're both super. They're both super powered Kryptonians. Yeah. She has military training, but I guess. But she's stronger. also yeah. Uh, she's also been kind of in suspended animation and probably has like atrophy. Yeah, also probably a little bit of psychological damage for being stuck in basically yeah. the and that's also what I was expecting. purgatory forever. Uh, when she said that she was only supposed to be in there for 20 years and it's been at most 50. Yeah. Because we'll say, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll say 40 to 50 she's mm-hmm. been in there. Like, I would expect her to go a little crazy. Yeah. And to kind of show those tendencies where, like, she kind of can't control herself sometimes. Yeah, it would have been interesting if she came out and was, like, a little bit feral mm-hmm. from having gone through that experience. Yeah. But then on the other side, playing devil's advocate on that, she is a military-trained person, like you mentioned before. So she knows how to keep kind of a level head in intense situations. This is true. But, I mean, if you think about it, the Phantom Zone is, like, the opposite of intense. Yeah. It's, it's just, like, it's just... Nothingness. It's, like, beige in a universe. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the beige car of the, of the prisons. It's like... It's like a it's like a beige nineteen eighties Buick uh, with a brown interior. Uh, just there's no you just, real you just already get that smell. Yeah, like just, you yeah, don't even just, need to see it. You can already it smell smells it. Smells like like vaguely like an ashtray, but it's not quite there. It just kind of lingers in the back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You feel like someone rubbed a whole bunch of little like pine tree fresheners all over the thing. Yeah, that's the Phantom Zone. Yeah. for you. <laughs> just forever, <laughs> forever in a Buick. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree with you. That would have been much more interesting to have her be kind of the one behind it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Because e- th- what it feels like is this whole episode is basically just setting up Jack Sewer. Like, even the background, it's basically all about him. We get very little of her. I guess in doing so, that means we don't know how challenging she can be, potentially. But yeah, it's not really about her at all. Right. It all feels like just prelude. To a villain who does nothing, who does even more nothing. Yeah. Um, so, mm. so to to continue on with the actual episode, yeah. Um, just like super quick. Um, Lois calls her Wonder Woman. Yeah, okay, I've been about funny. that too. I mean, I guess that. I mean, it's just a joke, right? Yeah, it's just a joke thrown in there because yeah, we're not going to meet Wonder Woman for a few more years. Yeah, and then uh, nowhere at the time. So right. Um, and then we see kind of what goes, what kind of goes against what we were thinking before that she was trying to seduce Superman into letting Jaxor out. When Lois asked the question, are you two a, a, a couple? And Superman says no, and she's so offended by that comment. Yeah. Like, but we're the la- how, how could you possibly turn down the last woman of your race? Yeah. Um, maybe Superman's gay. Maybe. Yeah. Dreams come true, Chris. Oh. <laughs> um, no, that'd be if Nightwing were gay. Yeah. Yeah, let's be honest. Um, so then that, that's when we see... Right, we, we kind of see... Um, she snaps a little bit. Like she tries to kill Lois. Yeah. Well, even before that, there's the scene where she's watching TV and Lex. He just oh, mentions yeah. the Phantom Zone, and that's when she kind of like starts to flip the coin. Yeah. Or flip the switch on the crazy. Where um, also I don't know how Lex already knows what the Phantom Zone is, but that's not important. I know. Um, Lex is just varies with its little birdies everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um. Well, that'd be a little finger with his birdies everywhere. Well, Avaris has. Birdies too. Isn't he use word, does he use word birdies? That he use. I'm pretty sure he's used birdies. Birds? I'm pretty sure. Oh, maybe it is. Fuck it, whatever. Um. Uh. He he's on the on the TV saying to the world that she is a danger and she needs to go back to the Phantom Zone. Yeah. I don't think she understands that he doesn't really have the power to do that. Yeah, probably She kind not. of flips. And I'll, I'll get into this more next episode. But I kind of wish Lex had a bigger part in this episode. It would have been more interesting, but also then it w- would have been even more so just the plot of Superman 2. Oh, well, I don't know. Superman you don't two. know. Yeah, we're going to So um, that's pretty much all of part I, one. I did love, real quick, I did love, so uh, at the very end of the episode, uh, Mala and Superman finally get into like a proper fight across the city, and she knocks him into like basically a Space Needle type like, yeah, restaurant. It's the exact Space Needle. Yeah. Um... It actually it kind of reminds me of the uh, the Sydney is it Sydney Tower? There's a revolving restaurant up at the top of the Sydney Tower. So they were inside a restaurant. Are the people inside of it were yeah there? yeah. So he had it comes over. Superman picks it up and he goes and sets it down like in the middle of like a three pronged building. I had two thoughts on that. One, it reminds me a lot of the original launch pad from Lost in Space in the 1960s. I don't know if that was intentional or not, but I thought that was cool. Two, how the fuck do people get out of there? 
I'm sure he'll go back and like, I guess so, but what are they gonna do? Just like what if he dies? Yeah. Like fire I mean the the fire so, department. But like when you like get up onto the roof and then find it's it's ridiculous. Again, he's being a total dick. He's being yeah. Just, okay. Well I mean I assume to get in there it's probably an elevator in the middle. Get a fire truck to come in, put up put up the elevator in the middle. But they're like, wait, what? There's probably a way Parachutes. to do it. There's a way to do it. There's not an obvious way to do it. Call Batman because <laughs> so he would handle the situation so much better. He really would, though. He would never let this happen in the first place. Right. He would have I mean, kept would, her ass locked oh, up. He would have never let her out. <laughs> there's someone who wants to be my friend? No. No way. Keep them away from me. They want yeah. to try and help me? Alfred, <laughs> stop them from helping me. So she... Yeah, she steals the fan zone projector, and at the very end, she releases Jack Sewer. Yes, the oh. the ultimate villain who does absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I, I got some notes on uh, Mala, the Phantom Zone, and Jack Sewer. I think maybe I'll do Mal in the Phantom Zone right now. Okay. Real quick. Um, there's a reason why she's kind of a nothing character. That character does not exist. So the character's first appearance was in back in, like, 1950, mm-hmm. but it's a male character. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that makes a lot more sense from the the brief history I read. Yeah, and so basically, like, and that character basically had nothing to do with Jack Sewer, who has a little more of a history. But that character um, basically started to try to take over the planet by uh, removing all the moisture from the atmosphere, trying to take over Krypton. And when that didn't work, he wasn't throwing. Sounds in like the... a plot for the Condiment King, right there. Ooh, actually, would be good. Yeah, yeah, just so many salt packets. <laughs> I will cover the earth in salt packets. I have scoured all of the fast food chains. <laughs> and lemon pepper. It's, it's high in sodium. It's the same shit. <laughs> so, Good luck stopping me now, <laughs> Batman. What would it be like if Conman can get in a fight with Superman? It's amazing. Kryptonite lace relish? Would he, would he have enough time to get off all his puns? No, probably not. Oh, Actually, no, he would. Because, like... Superman wouldn't like. Superman won't even try. He'd feel so much pity for him. He'd be like, oh, look at you, poor little bastard. He'd probably just literally just grab him and just... Him off and I, I him would. Somewhere. I could definitely see kryptonite, la- kryptonite laced Reddit relish. I can see Lex Luthor recruiting Condiment King to try and take out Superman with kryptonite relish. Yes, we'll write that story. Oh, um, but so in the comics, uh, Mala was like put in a spaceship and put in a suspended animation around the Phantom Zone. But so the, this version of the character is really based off of Ursa, which is the character from Superman Two. Yes, created for Superman Two, and actually didn't appear canonically in. Uh, the comics until the Last Sun arc from like 2007. You, you probably haven't read that, have you? No. So again, okay, you should read it after we've watched Superman one and two <laughs> because it's it's written by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner, and so it's set in the the Superman main like canon continuity, but they take a lot of the visual cues like the fortress looks like the fortress from uh, the movie and stuff like that. Um, but in it, there's Zod and Ursa, and it's I guess I don't want to go into too many details. Basically. Um, Superman discovers a young boy who has Kryptonian powers, and he doesn't know where he came from. Okay, it's a it's a really good arc, actually. And that's that sounds she, really cool. Yeah, um, I have it. But Is not his name Connor? LA. Uh, no, he goes Chris. Eh, boo! Stupid name. Christopher Reeve. Oh, cool yeah. name. Yeah, it's good for him. It's good for him. Other other Chris is kind of <laughs> suck. Um, yeah. So she, Earth is kind of cool. Mala not so much. But the Phantom Zone though is actually pretty cool. Tell me, tell me about this history. history. So, uh, tell it, me a story, Chris. They spin you a yarn. You'll be bored to death like tell you would be in the Phantom Zone. It's uh, of it's, this beige world. The beige world. The beige Buick uh, premiered in Action Comics number two eighty three in April of nineteen sixty one. It was discovered by Jor El, and as we've seen in every iteration, it's used for imprisoning criminals. And I guess this is bizarre though. Before they had the Phantom Zone. Their way of dealing with criminals was that they would seal them in capsules and rocket them into orbit and spin animation with crystals attached to their foreheads that would slowly, like, take away their criminal tendencies. Interesting. Yeah. I feel like we got, a, like, a mash of that in uh, Superman, or in Man of Steel, because they put them in those little, like, space dildos and then launched them into the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. Um, the only person ever to be put into the Phantom Zone who was not a criminal was Monel, who is a Daxamite, which I guess is a, a race of people who were descended from Kryptonians off of a colony, but they are um, weak to lead instead of kryptonite. Okay. So I guess he, Monel, like somehow shows up in Smallville when Superman was still Superboy, gets exposed to lead and gets sick, and so Superman, Superboy, puts him in the Phantom Zone to keep him alive because okay. disease, like a, a disease, will stay stagnant within the Phantom Zone. Um. Oh, at one point, 
it was part of the continuity that the Phantom Zone was a manifestation of like a sentient brain, like a sentient universe. Okay, sounds interesting. Basically, there was a thing called like the ether, and it was, like the ether's ability to imagine other existences created the Phantom Zone. Mm-hmm. It's fucking bizarre. I don't quite get it. Um, I feel like they. Excuse me. I feel like they mentioned that in one of the Green Lantern stories that I read. Oh, that might make sense. Yeah. So this was post, wait, no, pre-crisis. Okay. Then probably not. Yeah. Because then post-crisis, uh, there was a thing called the Eradicator. I only know that as the Eradicator, like, became personified. The Eradicator. Yeah. He goes around eradicating, but he came personified after Superman died. He was one of the four Supermen. Okay. Um, but I guess he's like a Kryptonian device that built the, he's designed to rebuild Krypton. So that's how the Fortress Solitude is built. And he draws matter from the Phantom Zone to build shit. Okay. Yeah. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Um, and then I think Pritchell's covered Phantom Zone projectors and everything, including Lego, Batman. Yeah. Um, yep. Nice. Super exciting. It could be cool. I mean, I, I think the Phantom Zone has kind of been, like, like we said, it's kind of been used the same way since the 60s with Lego Batman kind of doing a more interesting twist on it. Yeah, expanding it, doing something different with it. Yeah. So, So you know, there's opportunity for more interesting things. Yeah. Again, I think one of the best versions I've seen of it used is in that Last Sun comic, which is is one of my favorites. Yeah. Actually, it's cool. At one point, you you go inside the... Like, there's scenes set inside the Phantom Zone, and Mm -hmm. the comic, at least the, the hardcover I got... Came with like the red and blue old fashioned three D goggles. Oh, nice! And you would wear those, so the things that had like would kind of like jut out at you in the middle of Phantom Zone. That's awesome. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. There was a. Um, I, I was going to go into this briefly in the next episode, but it it kind of fits in here. There was an episode. I, I think it was episode three or four of. No, later than that, in X Men Evolution, when Nightcrawler oh, gets yeah. trapped in between dimensions. Uh, That's a great with, episode. Um, Forge builds him. Forge, the device. thank you. Yeah. Yes. Um, I feel like that's like a more interesting way to tell a Phantom Zone story. Was what they did with that, and yeah. they, they they kind of briefly went into it in this episode because I mean we'll get into this in a second. But Superman gets sucked in, and later in this episode, yeah. and when he tries to get out, the professor is like, "Oh, he's stuck between two dimensions," and then he still gets out for some reason. Yeah, it, it doesn't really quite make um, sense. Yeah, no, you're right because I think the only. I'm trying to think. I feel like the only time we've seen someone, we've seen the inside of the Phantom Zone was in Lego Batman. And then I guess in Smallville. It was in Smallville, like, he gets trapped in the Phantom Zone in the end of when it's like season six or something like that, or maybe partway through season six. That sounds about right. And then I feel like it's one of those things because he, he, it's like in the classic Richard Donner, again, Richard Donner moan, like he, moment, he's like trapped in that plane of glass, like floating through space. And if I recall, like he then like realized he can like jump down out of that into like the actual physical world as the Phantom Zone. So I think we've spent a little bit of time there in Smallville. But never in any of the movies. Mm-mm. And I feel like it'd be interesting to see like what that world's like inside of there rather than, rather than having just be this blank whatever. Yeah. Hmm. That's a great episode of X-Men Evolution, though. It is. It's just a great show in general. It is. And I, I think I mentioned this before. A lot of the writing staff from VTOS actually worked on that. Oh, Bird, that uh, makes sense. Uh, Kirkland. Boyd Kirkland. Boyd Kirkland, yeah. Uh, who wrote and directed a lot of the VTOS episodes. He was the uh, kind of lead... Uh, he was the executive producer on Evolution. Oh, that does make sense. Yeah, because the, the storytelling that's actually pretty sophisticated all the way through. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of good characters. Plus the Great design characters. is awesome. Like, yeah. Yeah, I feel like that is an underappreciated version of the X-Men. Everyone always talks the 90s cartoon just because it's so ridiculous. But have you gone back to watch the 90s cartoon? It's so ugly. It's terrible. They, I think animation. they animated it on threes, which is a horror. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think you mentioned but Remind me again what that means. Uh, normal, uh, normal traditional animation is you animate every, if you're doing it in a speedy style as you may animate every other frame. Mm-hmm. So it's animating on twos. Okay. Uh, animating on threes is kind of what you imagine. They're animating frame three, six, nine, twelve. Oh, in okay. And a 24 FPS episode. Okay. So basically there are three stagnant frames and then three stagnant frames and three stagnant yeah. frames. Okay. The, um, I don't know if you saw the trailer that popped up recently, but, oh, uh, it's, it's the Jaden Smith anime. I did see that on Netflix. It's yeah. kind of like their send-up to anime. Mm-hmm. It looks interesting. Actually. It looks very weird, but that, that's another show that's going to be animated on threes, and a lot of the art community is very upset. But it looks interesting, but I feel it's like, not going to be done well. Like it's deliberate, though, right? I don't know. Because it, it seems like it's supposed to be kind of satirical. This is what I read about it, too. So maybe that's why they did it. 
But I don't know. Yeah, but I, I can see what you mean. Who like, knows? Yeah. <laughs> Who knows what Jaden Smith is thinking? No, but I mean, you said he was good in the get down. He was great in the get down. So maybe maybe we're going to end up like... Everyone go out to the get down. You know, maybe he's going to prove himself to actually be like kind of decent when he inevitably gets cast as Static Shock because his dad is now connected to the DC universe. Maybe he'll actually end up being kind of good. Yeah, ideally. Maybe. maybe. So, but until then... What's our plug for this week? Not plug. What's our sponsor for this week, Chris? Sequel Squeal. <gasps> Chad Fogland. Yeah. So and it's the other guy. <laughs> I know. I should have looked these up more. Because <laughs> I, I, the thing is, I look them up once, and then I forget to look them up again. Right. But yeah, I mean, their podcast is basically they go through, and they talk about franchises. So I think, I think they did James Bond once before. I don't know if they've ever done Batman or Superman, actually. We should, we should look and see. We should. If they haven't. Let's talk to Chad. I know. We should go, hey. Mr. Chad. Hey, Chad. We have, we have a couple of Batman experts here. One Superman expert. That person's also a James Bond expert. Let's talk things. One Batman expert. I don't, I don't consider myself an expert. You're pretty, you're pretty damn knowledgeable about this sort of stuff. Eh. I mean, more so than you are about Superman, considering That's you, very you true. haven't seen like, the most important Superman movie. Again, to be remedied. Uh, but here's the promo for Sequel School. Hey, listen to Sequel Squeal, the podcast where we watch a movie and all its sequels. Right, Benny? Yes, you are correct, Chad Foglin. Right here on the Nerdist School Network. Yay, us! Yeah, we're done. That was good. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> all right, so now we're on to uh, Blast from the Past, part two, <sighs> yeah, uh, where Superman takes Professor Hamilton. Oh, Hamilton! Yeah. You're living Where in my Hamilton, my Hamilton shirt right now. Yeah. That's why I, I thought that's why you brought it up earlier. Yeah. Oh, I didn't even think about that until yeah. just now. Okay. Well, anyways, he takes Hamilton up to the Fortress of Solitude, and Hamilton names it as such. Mm-hmm. In, in the spiffy uh, Superman submarine suit. Yeah, oh, God. Or scuba suit. Stupid-ass scuba suit. Um, but then, I still love those colors. It's, 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 such, oh, it's such a so, 90s it's color so palette. It's so ugly. It's Anything just, with oh. like a bright purple, gold, and silver is just such a good 90s color but it's palette. Not, it's, like, it's, not, it's, like, it's all muted, though. It's like a muted purple. It's, like a, yeah. it's almost like a brown, and then it's like this weird, like not like sparkly gold or yellow, but like this dull, like... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's fine. It would fit well in the Phantom Zone or the, mm-hmm. the beige Buick. Uh, but I do love that Superman shows him like the Brainiac interface, and he's like... Stand close, active my, my, by my DNA. I'm like, oh. Ooh. oh careful. <laughs> Superman. Careful now. <laughs> Please look the other way, Professor. Yeah. Um, but so then, at this point, Jack Sewer is out. Um, oh, did you see who voiced Jack Sewer? I did not. It's Ron Perlman. <gasps> Hellboy. Hellboy, yeah. And I, I had forgotten this. Uh, he did He did so, a lot of voices. So many voices. I, I wrote some of them down here. So not only did he do um, Jack Sewer here. Oh, okay. He was obviously Clayface mm-hmm. and B-Tass. He, uh, he's later going to be the voice of Orion, Darkseid's son. I right. Think in one, maybe one Superman episode and again in Justice League. He's obviously Slade in the Teen Titans. <gasps> and he's oh, also he's Killer Croc theme, in the Batman. Brandon. So, oh, I didn't know that. I didn't, yeah, I I didn't know that. Yeah, one. but he just keeps popping up. Cause, and I thought it was interesting. I feel he's, like he's so good as Slade. He is, oh, he's amazing as Slade. And I feel like he's less, he's less Ron Perlman-y in this one. Like, I wouldn't necessarily guess it's him unless I knew I never it. would have guessed that. Yeah, because like, even in ba- The Batman, he's like clearly Ron Perlman doing like, a little bit of a Cajun thing. And I feel like in Slade, he like really deepens his voice. And he's like, you know. It's like a, like a very f- flat Ron Perlman. I feel like yeah. he's very energetic in his voices. Yeah. With Slade, he was very suave and yeah like. but he, he's very ron perlman and he's less so here yeah uh, also real quick uh side note mala 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 mala, mala uh voiced by leslie easterbrook who is not that important but she was the voice of uh randa Dwayne in heart of steel the cyborg oh that's cool yeah a slightly better written female character even though she was a mindless robot yep yep but do you know who mala mala Zhang is who what <laughs> not gonna go into it no, go ahead. I mean, you, you, know, you, know, you always go into it. You always go into it. <laughs> um, there was a... I'd hate to deprive you. There was a series on Kids WB, which I loved. I've brought it up a few times now, called Jalen Showdown. Okay, yes. Um, it's the guy, uh, he looks at the happy, the big yellow face, right? Hmm? Is it, wasn't Jalen Showdown the... Uh, Omi, yes. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah, the it yellow wasn't like face. was like a Texan? Yep, Clay. Yeah. It was uh, Omi, Clay, Raimundo, and Kimiko. Okay. All voiced by amazing voice actors. It was Tara Strong... Is it Grey Delise or Grey Delisle? How do you say it? Grey Delisle. Okay. Grey Delisle, Tom Kenny, um, and, and Ron Perlman. Other. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me if he popped up in that show. Like, he pops every up voice in, actor. He pops in that up show. in everything. 
Yeah. But in in the show, you have these items that everyone's fighting for called uh, Shengong Wu. Mm-hmm. There is a villain that is comprised of Shengong Wu. So if you oh, get wow. enough of them together, he emerges, and his name is Mala Mala Shang. Oh, okay. And he's awesome. That's great. And it's just my favorite name to say. It's so great. I would always get him and Minsoor Mala mixed up when I was trying to say them, because I was watching Ooh. Teen Titans. Minsoor Mala is the gorilla from Gorilla Land. What's the what's the hidden oh. island of gorillas in DC? Uh, isn't it Gorilla City? Sure, that sounds about right. Uh, he is the like he's the beret the beret wearing one. Oh, okay. Well, he popped up in Teen Titans. Yeah, it's been uh, too long. In the last season, it was him and uh, the Brain. Oh, okay. Were the, the like the main villains. I don't know if I really saw much the last season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's always like some kind of tiff going on between Minsu Armada and Gorilla Grodd. Okay, what's the other guy's um, name from Jalen Showdown? Mala Mala Zhang. Mala Mala Zhang? That is fun yes. to say. Yeah. It's so much fun to Mala say. Mala Mala Zhang. Ooh, I like it's it. like a song. I feel yeah. like there needs to be a song that has that in it. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead and write one. We'll sing it on the podcast live. Yep. Next time. With all my musical talent. <laughs> <laughs> no, we'll do. We'll have Amanda and Frank come on because they can actually improvise go. musical yeah. stuff, which we cannot. Nope. Um, Sorry. So Jaxor. Jaxor has a line. I don't know if you caught this, but I was very interested and I actually Googled this. Okay. Um, he says uh, when he's first walking on earth and he's like oh all these peasants um by name of roa has brought me full oh, by, circle oh, by rao yeah rao thank you yeah it's the kryptonian god yeah i didn't know that yeah which isn't rao also an egyptian god or that's Ra? no you're thinking Ra. Okay, Ra is the close. sun god but yeah. rao is also their like god of light and life in, in krypton oh in krypton yeah. yeah yeah he's like it's also uh, before he was a god that was the name of their son so it's very oh, much Egyptian okay, right. inspired. Yeah, because um, there's a lot of references to Rao, I feel like, in the later scenes of the Smallville, like when Zod came in and stuff like that. Oh, okay, I don't remember. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but I, I liked that. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, so then there's like, there's a fight, and I, I, I feel like it was a cool idea that just didn't entertain me as much. Is this when Mala and Superman are fighting inside the falling mail yes. truck? Yes. Yeah, I had the same note. Like, it's a clever idea, but we don't, we're not inside give, the truck. Give us some interesting camera angle. Like, add some cinematography to yeah, this. All we had was a falling truck with really nothing to show that it's falling. It just looks like it's spinning. Yeah, and they're just, like, hitting to the back and forth and occasionally popping out of a door, like, putting a dent in the wall. But, like, it would have been cool to have been inside of that. Yeah. Because that's an interesting idea of two people who can be fighting without the effects of gravity inside something that is actually being affected by gravity. Mm-hmm. Like, that is super interesting. Like, the physics of all that. Like, that, that's almost like a Spielbergian, like, Rube Goldberg-esque sort of, like, crazy action mm-hmm. set piece. And they just did nothing with oh, it. I was imagining, like, a, like a Bourne scene. Oh, okay, yeah. Like, even with, that like, too. the super close-up kind of... Angles. Yeah, but I guess and you can't really do super close-ups in animation. That's true. Can't, I mean, you yeah. can. It doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. No, but I agree with you because I, I don't know about that too. Like, there's like an interesting idea there, and they just don't they don't really do anything with it. Yeah. So, cause, yeah, they get they basically get into a scrap, and they they get away because they put people in danger, and Superman always they put Lois in danger, right? Isn't that when? Yeah. Yeah. I did. That was a clever. Well, okay, it didn't start out clever because Lois basically shows up and just like kick their ass, Superman. And then yeah, Mala, and then runs past all of the cops all and all of the reporters and like, is directly never, under. The cops never bother to stop Lois. I, they, just, they don't care anymore. Yeah. It's like, this bitch is going to die. They're, they're probably just, if, it's if, not on our hands at anymore. At some point, she'll get killed by something, and then she'll stop being a pain in their ass is probably what they're thinking. Yeah. But I did like that Mala's solution was to like, hit one balcony and just like they just started falling one Domino, to each other. Domino. Yeah. That was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And Superman had to swoop in and save her. Um, it's just, it is... It is kind of lame, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, so this is this is the part where I also thought it would be, but I, I didn't know Lex was such a big part of Superman too. Yeah, I thought it'd be cool for this moment when like all the cameras are out on Superman and Superman's losing, for him to just kind of look in the camera and be like Lex, bring the green rock or bring like have some kind of coded message mm-hmm. to like bring the thing that stops all. Oh, have them work together. Yeah, yeah. It well, so what's in? I mean. Because then that'd be a crisis for Lex that we've seen a few times now where it's like, do I help my enemy or do I yeah. save right. my like, city? What happened with Brainiac? Yeah. And when he, his involvement in Superman 2, again, he's a different kind of Lex because in the Richard Donner films, which includes the Brian Singer movie, he's a criminal. He, he doesn't run like a massive mm-hmm. empire and that sort of thing. So 
it would have been a different kind of story had he been involved in this coming from a place of like status and power rather than coming from a low status criminal spot. Yeah. It it could have been interesting to him incorporate him. I mean they bit. they ended up using Kryptonite later in the episode Anyways, anyway. Yeah. Um because I think what well, they try to build a new Phantom Zone projector, but they're missing like a crystal. Yeah, it's dumb. So Chris is dumb. It's so dumb. So then yeah, Ursa I was about to say Ursa non. <laughs> The other two, Jaxor and Mala, go yeah. to the Daily Planet and they kidnap Lois. And I love, too, they're like, tell Superman we're at Mala's cabin. Like, that doesn't sound... <laughs> like, it just doesn't... That's not, the like... The threatening it, lair. It's not intimidating cabin. or anything like that. Yeah, and we're not in, like, Mala's lair, like, Mala's, like, fortress and like that. Like, we're, we're in Mala's cabin. Yes. Out in the woods. Can you come find us? Um, but Superman does also, show Also, when did she, like, claim that as her space? I mean, I guess they sent her there, like, right away. Like, it's the Star Labs retreat. Like, oh, uh, right. Okay, yeah, that's what right. it was. So, like, Superman takes her there, like, get her away from society. And right, I forgot about that. And a deadly that. weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, but then Superman does show up in his kryptonite suit with kryptonite. And uh, it goes well for him for a second. For a half second. This and, was another moment I think it would have been fun to have some character for Lois. Yeah. Um, she's kind of being strangled by Mala. Superman comes with kryptonite, Mala's weekend, and Superman's like, okay, Lois, hold that to her. Mm. And I'd have loved for her to just, like, kind of rub it in her face. Yeah. Just, like, give, like, some, like, because Lois, obviously, like, she's a good person, but, like, she's also very self-absorbed. She's spiteful. Yes, like, very yeah. spiteful. And yeah. I would have loved just, like, one of those small moments of just, like, sitting on her and just kind of rubbing it. That would have been good. You had to literally just, like, hold it in her hand and just, like, sit on top of her, like, what now? Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? But no. We cut away and then Superman is zapped into the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Which did kind of catch me by surprise. I it was did not catch me by surprise. Uh, but then it's fine because they just turn around and pull him out of there using an incomplete Phantom Zone projector because he has, like, some sort of radioactive tracker on him. <laughs> now, I also love it, too. So he, he gets pulled back out of the Phantom Zone like a second later. And like Lois runs up. He's like, no, no, Lois, the radiation. I'm radioactive. Mind you, he didn't mention that the first time nope. he showed up to save her. And presumably was going to grab her eventually and fly off with her. Didn't matter then. Nah. Just whatever. Doesn't matter at all. Um, and then that just results in yet another fight. The three of them fighting out in the mm-hmm. city. The only moment in that I thought was kind of good was when um, they're fighting on the bridge. And he sparks off the gas tank. Yeah. And it blows up just because you go to that super wide shot of like the two of them like flying off in the distance of the smoke trail. That's cool. Yeah. But again, the rest of it's just more of the same. More of the same. Like he flies around the city. And you know what the plan is. That, that, that was my problem with the ending. You know, obviously, what the there's plan no is going to be. Yeah. You know, they're going to get zapped in the Phantom Zone. So at least to make that a cool, like a cool way to surprise us on how it's going to happen. But it's that you literally make like a. There was an episode of Danny Phantom. Uh, where I'm just gonna keep referencing other cartoons. He's Danny Phantom. Um, where Jack Fenton, the dad, built a. It almost looked like a dream catcher. It was called the Ghost Net. I want to say. Oh, right. Yeah. But it's where it splits ghosts into two personalities. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, because doesn't that happen to Danny? Doesn't he get Mm -hmm. like? And because is that one of the episodes with? Count, what's what's the same? Vlad? Um, uh, Vlad Masters. Vlad Masters, yeah. I just always think of as Martin Mole, but I can't remember the <laughs> character's name. Um, I don't think it's in that episode, but in one of the episodes, they used that where, where uh, Danny's flying around, and as he kind of turns a corner, the, um, Sam is kind of on the side, and she, like, flips the net out, and it traps the ghost. Oh, yeah. And I, that's what I was expecting. I was expecting him to be flying around and kind of taking them on this very direct path, and as he passed, like, a corner of a building, they would get zapped as they followed. And we'd see that, like, this was a big, elaborate plan. Yeah, there, there, yeah there's nothing there. Like, that's, like the, like, the most basic things you can do. I know. But instead, they're chasing, and then he just flies past Star Labs. And it's almost, like, by accident, because they didn't look like they were prepared. No, they didn't. Yeah, I don't, what was the point of that? He literally just flies them around. I don't, I don't get it. Sorry, I was trying to find... I saw a really funny meme involving Danny Phantom the other day. I was trying <laughs> to find it again on my Instagram. I'm having trouble. Uh, that's fine. Um, so they... So yeah, um, Lois kind of triggers the Phantom portal. Uh, and she says some kind of snarky line. It's like... I don't even remember. It's not worth remembering. No. Uh, zaps him in the portal. And then it cuts to Superman bringing the, the yeah. Phantom Zone to the Fortress of Solitude. And he's like, hmm... Fortress of Solitude. That sounds like a pretty cool name. I'm kind of lonely. Yeah. Pet you, space cow. Good to see you, little space cow. <sighs> yeah, I know. It is It is kind of dumb. 
Um, I mean, I'm trying to think if it's actually even worth going into like Jack Seward's shit. Not really. There wasn't anything that interesting. Okay, there, I guess there's one kind of interesting about him. So um, he was described on Wikipedia as an amoral and criminally deviant scientist. Okay. So he his old thing was he launched a nuclear missile to try and destroy like a passing space rock. And if the test was successful, he was then going to amass a nuclear arsenal. Although they have nuclear weapons on Krypton. But a nuclear arsenal to then throw over the Kryptonian government. But the missile collided with a spaceship being flown by Jor-El, and that's how it got like knocked off course and blew up a moon instead. So because that's no moon. I know, but because like 500 people died on the moon, that's why he got sent into the Phantom Zone. But what I love about that is that incident also then uh, made them ban space travel on Krypton. Interesting. Don't fucking know why. It's not the spaceship's fault. Yeah. Some asshole's a nuclear bomb was the problem. Keep doing the space travel. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's anything, cool. If you had kept doing that, maybe things would have worked out differently for you guys when your planet blew up. You yeah. Had, you had no way to get out of there. <laughs> Damn it. So this is this also brings up a good question of in the in the pilot, we heard Jarrell's idea mm-hmm. of saving Krypton was to put everyone in the Phantom Zone. Yeah. Now that we've seen, do you think that was the only Phantom Portal? Because it looked like that was the only one. Yeah, I think that's oh, that's a good. Because oh. now my question is, would they have had time? There must have been other ones. I, I mean, I would because he wasn't part of the science councils. So he wasn't part of the ruling government. So one presumes that he wouldn't have the only Phantom Zone projector. He just was. was I would think. But then, no. like, then how do you regulate that? Because that's I, a very powerful tool. Yeah, I mean, I guess. It, it must be in the hands of select people. My, my assumption is that the one that was in the ship was probably already in the ship as part of the original plan. Yeah. If we're going to give them enough credit for having it be in there. Um, yeah, I guess they must have a, a few of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's a good point, though. Who would have had control over that? Could they have... I guess they, if they had had, like, a few days and they had enough, then they probably could have done it. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Maybe. But now that we also see like how terrifying that place is, yeah. you do get to see the other side of like, we would never send our, our yeah. civilians into such a place. Yeah, because I think it might have been the new 52 version that involved the Phantom Zone. Like, that was Jarrell's plan, was to throw people in, which I imagine they basically just pulled from this. What I couldn't remember is in Man of Steel, is that is that part of Jarrell's plan to save the planet? I don't think it is, right? Mm-mm. No. So I don't know. I, I can't say definitively this is the first version that had that in there or not. But there are other iterations of Jarrell that was like... Yeah, I'm sure it was in the comics there. at some point. Probably. Yeah. And I'm I trying to remember... I don't know if we actually get that much more Phantom... Well, no, okay. The Phantom Zone is actually used really interesting in Justice League later on. I've, or maybe JLU. I forget. But I think, don't they, like... They put some... Did they play a version of Doomsday in the fan, in the Phantom Zone, and then all the world's governments are like, "Who gave you the right to do that?" That sounds about right. Was, maybe that's JLU because JLU was the one that really dealt with the idea of like them having unchecked powers. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it pops up that much more in the actual animated series itself, which is kind of a shame. Yeah. But it'll get interesting eventually. Yeah. So, um, other thoughts or plugs? Let's do some plugs. All right. Uh, what do you got going on? What, do you, what have you been checking out these days? You know what? I watched a live show, which I haven't done in a long time. <laughs> what live show did you see, Cameron? Oh, no, no. Sorry. Not not like, li- like not stage show. I'm in a show that's like currently on oh, air. Oh, on air. Oh, okay. Uh, I thought that was your like subtle way of being like, I was on Hamilton. No, no, no. I'm not going to plug Hamilton. I know people can't go see that right now. Yeah. Um, Hamilton's great, by the way. Um, I can't go for like three more months. I watched the Orville Oh. Which is Seth MacFarlane's Star Trek episode. How bad so is it? It's not horrible. Are you sure about that? Yeah. Wait, hang on. This is you talking. So, hold on. I, I've also told a few other friends to watch it, and they've had the same conclusion. It's My analogy is it's not a Star Trek episode written by Seth MacFarlane. It's a Star Trek episode that happens to star Seth MacFarlane. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. So, it's not his... It's not kind of consumed by his brand of humor... But instead, it's a normal Star Trek episode that happens to have a comedic character. So it's not... Is it like halfway between Galaxy Quest and Star Trek? 
It's closer to Star Trek than just Galaxy Quest. That's one of the things I read that it, totally it's kind of weird. It's like, it, yeah, they, they make it seem like it's a comedy, but then when you watch it, it's actually more like a dramedy. Yeah. Are they 30 minute episodes or hour episodes? Uh, I think it was a 42 minute episode. Okay. So hour. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that falls more in the dramedy camp. Mm-hmm. So, but it's also the pilot. Usually pilots. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Pilot might feel a little so longer. I don't know. Yeah. Um, hmm. But I mean, it, I'm not going to say it's great, but I'm, I will say it has potential to be good. Okay. The characters are interesting. And I mean, they're, they're Star Trek characters. They're interesting enough. Yeah. Um, is I would it, like to know more about some of them. Is it, do you think I would like it? Let me f- watch a few more episodes of the season before okay. I make such a bold statement. Okay. Cause we all know I'm a critic. Yes. A harsh, harsh critic. But I was, I mean, I was honestly just blown away that it wasn't a piece of trash. Yeah, I thought it was going to be terrible, because especially, that's an expensive show. It, it's so well made. Yeah. Like, the special effects in that just kind of blow my mind. Mm-hmm. But also, at the same time, you have to think how much money Fox has made from Seth MacFarlane. Well, that's true, but, so yeah, so they're going to be He's bigger... given them three of their kind of multi-season yeah. animated shows. So it makes sense they would take a bigger gamble on him than yeah. with other people. Um, but I mean, the challenge, and this is why I was con- not sure about it. The challenge becomes if you have a show that expensive, you really got to make your money back on it. Yeah. I and don't think they will. Usually that means you got a, it requires a lot of, you have to raise a lot of money, which means you got a lot of people with a lot of input. And usually the, what makes comedy work, and I guess it's less of a comedy than you expect is specificity. And usually the bigger budget something is, the less specific the comedy is. Mm-hmm. So I was worried that it was going to just be very generic and boring. But No, it has, I mean, like I said, it has potential. Hmm. All right. Um, very curious where they're going to go from here. All right. Report back to me in a few weeks. Because mm-hmm. by then, also, uh, Star Trek Discovery will have aired. Right. And, oh, fuck you, CBS. I will have bought CBS All Access <laughs> to watch it. And uh, I'll decide which Star Trek show I will watch. Maybe neither. Maybe neither, yeah. Maybe neither. So, um, not really plugs, but South Park started up this week. I watched great. it. I actually watched it. Oh, you did? Yeah. Brandon and I watched it last night. It was great. It was pretty funny. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, have, have they been continuing to do the, the dicker jibs thing or they just bring that back? That they episode? just took it. They just okay. brought it back. This yeah. Cause I think like when I stopped watching South Park was like right after like that mm-hmm. season when they first did the, the yeah. dicker jibs. They took our jobs. Um, no, I, I'll, I'll just plug Orville for okay. this week. All right. That's easy enough for me to throw in there. Yeah. Um, have you been watching, listening, reading too? Not, not too much. None I, of that makes I, sense. I thought I was going to have to just pull in my regular podcast that I have yet to plug because I had nothing. And I realized I've actually been keeping a list of like random videos I've watched. One of which, I don't know if I got a chance to talk to you about this. Or maybe we have. It was the, the video, The Adorkable Misogyny of the Big Bang Theory. Yes, I did watch that video. It was amazing. That. It's super interesting. I'm, oh, I'm, that was I'm, so cool. I'm bringing it up right now because I forget who made it. And I, I don't remember. I it. Be, it wasn't one of my normal. I want to give um, them credit. Um, but it's, oh, it's it's a it's the woman who also trashed Hercules. No, why would you trash Hercules? She had she had a bunch of really good points. Oh, okay, well, which kind of made me sad because oh. she was right. But I still love Hercules more than anything. I know. Well, Her- Hercules is fantastic. What? Uh, uh, this is oh the pop culture detective. Maybe it's a different person. Maybe it I'm is, thinking of a different video. A different person, yeah. Uh, but I I really like this video because I mean I. I don't watch the Big Bang Theory anymore. I haven't for years. I feel like it's no longer for nerds. It's just at the expense of nerds, and they just throw in a whole bunch of references. Like it is a show about like our realm of pop culture for people who are not part of our pop culture. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just fucking stupid too. But what I liked about this specifically, though, was that it also pointed out there's some deeper flaws in the comedy itself. I've always said like, oh, the first few seasons are actually pretty funny, but I haven't watched them in mm-hmm. probably better part of ten years now, and. I've explained this to you. You've already seen it, but it's still like, so they reference like the eighties movies that inspired it with, which are like 16 candles and, um, revenge of the nerds, revenge of the nerds, one. which is a big word, which panty raid. Yeah. They're basically just like, Oh, like there are like flat out, like acts of sexual assault in these movies. And we mm-hmm. let them slide because they're nerdy guys. And they're not the typical Jack he, guys. They, they gave a, the person gives a phrase to it where it's like sympathetic or like, I don't remember what it is. Oh, they make you, feel bad for the characters when they do something bad you don't you don't see them doing the bad thing. yeah it's like it's the idea is like the comedy is based around the fact that these are guys who don't fit the traditional like masculine mold so when they do things that do that's funny mm-hmm. I, I forget there was a more specific term you're right but i think that was kind of the idea yeah. that they were going for on it 
Um, but their whole, the whole the essayist point of the whole thing was that like you look at the Big Bang Theory and they do this thing called lamp shading, which I, I heard for, before, but I've forgotten. It was basically like it's like shining a light on something, but it's a very specific form where they will go ahead and just make sex, like sexist, racist, homophobic jokes, but then they'll have one character like, oh, that's not very funny. And so it's like a way to just go ahead and make those really base level bad jokes and then make it seem like they're aware of it so they can get off the hook for it. Right. But that still doesn't change the fact they're making all these like terrible base level jokes. And, mm-hmm. and look, I mean, I will do one small bit of devil's advocate where I'll say that it is really fucking hard to write 22 episodes of a show that has been going on for, for 10 years and still make it palatable. But at the same time, other shows do it mm-hmm. without being this base level and about being like, the humor being so bad. Yeah. Hell, if King of the Hill can last for like what fourteen fucking seasons. Well, fucking Simpsons has been going on for yeah almost thirty years. I know. Um, what a show. Yeah. Right. So it, I actually just watched. Um, on that note, I I just watched. Um, Dead Poet Society for the first time last night. Oh no shit. Yeah, and they had a moment like this in it when uh, I don't remember any of the names already. No, I don't. But remember. um, one of the one of the like less fortunate guys goes to the party that the girl invites him to. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of passed out on the couch, and he just start like he starts kissing her and feeling her up. Yeah, and it's like, like was that okay at the time? No, because they tried to make you feel sympathetic for him afterwards. Because even the girl's like, oh no, that was okay, while the the boyfriend is about to beat him up. Yeah, it's like no, it wasn't. No, it's that's the thing. I guess like beating him up is probably not the best solution to do afterwards. But still, like that's not it's not okay. Like you can't do these things. And that they even talk about that in this video. Like they're talking about how. Like, in a specific episode of The Big Bang Theory, like, Penny calls out Howard for being a total sleazebag, which he is, and mm-hmm. he gets his feelings hurt, and then oh, she, yeah. has, <laughs> she has to go to apologize, and the whole point is, like, oh, yeah, like, even this scenario, it's, like, the the guy's, like, feelings are more important than the girl feeling comfortable being around people and not being sexually assaulted, and I just, it's stuff that I hadn't thought about that much, to be honest, in regards to that show, and so I'm really glad I watched it, because, like, yeah, like, this sort of stuff even though it's done in kind of an innocent way, it perpetuates an ideology that's not good. Especially for a show that's so popular. Yeah. So um, I'm not going to say don't go watch The Big Bang Theory, but if you do, maybe like go watch this, this yeah, be, be video, aware video of what, and be, be aware, aware of what's going on there. Um, wow, we just got like really <laughs> surprisingly... No, that's fine. Like highbrow. And, there was, um, like, <laughs> I, I don't think genuine. I brought this up on the podcast, but I'm, what I'm very curious about, I think I brought it up to you before, is there was a moment... Where I feel like every single person stopped watching Big Bang at the exact same time. I, I want to say it's, yeah. It was like end of season four. I, oh, okay. I think I lasted a little bit longer. I think I stopped around like maybe like season six or seven. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think there was a, basically a point when everyone's like, this is not good anymore. And I'm curious if there was something that happened in the episode or something that happened in the news or in culture where it just was like, at one point, Big Bang was like the cool thing for nerds to watch because it was a show for us. And just like the next day, it's like, nope. We don't want to watch this anymore. I, I can't say specifically. My theory is that um, cause I kind of remember the run of the time that happened. I remember for maybe about a season or two before I stopped watching it, I noticed the humor changed. It got a little bit raunchier. That was also the same time that that when Raj started drinking. I feel like that was. I think that was when Wa- Raj, like around the time he like stopped drinking, maybe, and he could start talking to him without it. Okay. But what was happening elsewhere though was that uh, at the same time. Two and a Half Men was like basically like a sinking ship. Like Charlie oh, Sheen had gone crazy, right. had left. It wasn't getting the ratings. It was coming to an end. I think what happened because they're both Chuck Lorre productions, both CBS. Mm-hmm. I think they either took writers from Two and a Half Men and put them over on Big Bang Theory, or maybe they started to reposition Big Bang Theory to be the new Two and a Half Men and go for a slightly different audience. That's basically what happened, right? I mean, Two and a Half Men was huge. Mm-hmm. It got supplanted by the Big Bang Theory. It got Ashen Kutchard. It got Ashen Kutchard. Someone else came in, did a better <laughs> job. Better. So I think that's kind of what happened. And I think that the, there was workers behind the scenes to reposition what that show was for the network and for okay, the company. That and makes in sense. doing so, I think that's when people like us who used to be able to relate to it stopped being able to and jump ship. Mm-hmm. That's so that my, my theory. I, I don't, yeah, I, 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 I forgot about all the Two and a Half Men drama. Yeah. It's, same company, same network. Mm-hmm. So that's my theory, at least, is what was going on there. Yeah. So uh, I have one other, like, just small, fun thing that's not serious. Okay. <laughs> I'm not going to spawn a long conversation. Uh, it was this cool post I saw that someone had done um, portraits of the Gotham characters in the style of the animated series. 
Oh, interesting. Yeah. So like they would do like the, um, I'm bringing it up right now. My computer's being wonky. I'll show it to you real quick, but it's like, so they'll have, you know, like, uh, okay, there it goes. So yeah. Like, that's the only one I was looking for. Was yeah. What, what yeah. Joker so like, like. like Jerome and the Joker are like, this is like, so the, the front character is like the character done in the style of the Ant-Man series. And then behind them is like Batman behind Bruce and like, you know, that you know version what? of Penguin. I would watch it if it was animated. I would too, actually. This looks really good. Yeah. So I'll, I'll include it on there because it's worth checking out. But they're, they're kind of cool. Just like doing different stylized versions of, uh, of the show. I don't watch that show anymore. Never did, really. I was going to say, I don't think you ever did. Like, I watched, I only, I watched you, one episode. You still make fun of me for watching a whole season. I know. It's, it's terrible. But it's kind of a cool little thing. So that's more uh, a <laughs> way to end on a fun note. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that does do it for us. Yeah. This time. Uh, what is... Oh, um, can we we're, have we're next? going off schedule next we're week. We're going off schedule. It's um, the Promethean and Livewire. First episode of Livewire, which Ooh. would be good. I like her a lot. Because uh, we're going to save episode four because it's Speed Demons. Oh! <gasps> So we're going to do that with our good friends from the podcast of two worlds, Trevor and Chris. Yeah, we're going to talk about some Flash. I know. Yeah, I've never actually asked them, like, why the Flash? I mean, I feel like with the... I mean, I'm sure the Flash had a big following beforehand, but Jeff Johns, when he came in and took over DC, he had a huge push to bring Flash and Green Lantern to kind of the forefront of the of the kind of... Yeah, DC world. But I, I've never asked him if like they like Flash the favorite character growing up or what. I'm sure it is for Trevor. I don't know about other Chris. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm curious to ask him about that. But that'll be fun. So we'll, we'll have that coming up pretty soon. Yeah. Um, and if between now and then you want to reach out to us, we are at Tim Talk Pod on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram. Yes. Uh, I am at Lordifer on all those same things. Cool. I am. If you want to see my face, I'm at Cam Dexter underscore Adventures. And if you want to see my art, I am at Cameron.dexter. Yeah. <laughs> to think about it for a second. If, if you want to see my name. If you want to see Cameron's face at Hamilton, you can go and see him on the first one. Yeah. Hamilton was great, guys. Yeah. If you have six hundred dollars to shell out, go see it. Um now it is. Now it is. Okay, yeah, yeah. As mine weren't that. But I also can't go till December. Yeah. Like everyone I know is going to go see it. That's now. how I felt. My parents have seen it already. <laughs> like what? Yeah, I know. It's ridiculous. Uh soon though. Yes. Soon. Uh we'll see you guys next week. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Nerdist School Network. For class and show information, visit nerdistschool.com.